0: G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and welcome to episode number 35 of the WP Elevation podcast. Our feature guest this week is Jennifer Bourne from Bourne Creative who was recommended to me by Jake Goldman of TenUp and that was quite some time ago. It's taken us a little while to get Jennifer on the podcast but we finally did it. Uh, in this episode, the thing that really struck me in this episode is the way that Jennifer has systemized and processed managing clients through a project and she talks about this thing called active project management now we all struggle with scope creep every single conversation i have with wordpress consultants at WordCamps and wordpress meetups is about how frustrating clients are because they don't get us their content on time and we can't manage their expectations and they you know the scope changes halfway through the project. If that, if any of that sounds familiar to you, then this episode is full of gold as to how you can solve those problems and how you can better manage clients throughout the project. Uh, there's lots of good stuff in this episode, including the fact that I'm giving away a copy of the Post Promoter Pro plugin, a single uh, site license of that valued at fifty nine dollars. Uh, stick around for details on how you can enter that competition. Stay with us. Let's elevate.
1: This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate.
0: This episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Optin Monster. It's an amazing opt-in plugin. I seriously haven't got time to go into all the amazing features and why this plugin is so good right now. However, if you go to wpelevation.com slash optinmonster, O-P-T-I-N monster, I know it's a crazy name, but it's a great plugin. You'll see a video walkthrough there of how to set the plugin up And you'll also see how you can use this plugin to drive more revenue into your business and upsell clients. There is also an email swipe file and a proposal template that you can use there to start selling lead capture to your clients so that you can drive more revenue into your business. Go to wpelevation.com slash optinmonster and check it out. Okay, the elevation tip of the week this week is active project management. So here's the thing. We just installed a failure metric in our business, which means if a client emails us and asks us how a project is going, we failed. Our job is to stay on top of that and to have constant communication with the client so they know where they're at all the time. Now, I am more than happy to tell you that we are still failing. We still have clients emailing us about this because we haven't quite got it right, but we are working very hard to get it right. And in this episode of the uh, the podcast, Jennifer Bourne talks a lot about how they use Infusionsoft to automate their active project management. It is awesome. There are sequences that people get when they sign up, there are sequences where people get during the design process, the development process, and there are even automated email sequences that clients get after they've launched the website. There is so much gold in this interview. Jennifer Bourne is from Bourne Creative. I strongly suggest you get your notepad and your pen out and take some notes. Without further ado, let's go meet Jennifer Bourne. G'day Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Sacramento, California, Jennifer Bourne from Bourne Creative. Hey Jennifer, how you doing?
1: I'm good.
0: Thank you very much for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. I'm very excited to be chatting with you. Jake Goldman from Tenup. suggested that I talk to you, and that was a long time ago, and it's taken us this long to actually get you on the podcast, so I'm thrilled to have you here. Now, very quickly before we get into this, a quick competition. I'm going to give away a copy of... The Post Promoter Pro plugin, which Jennifer has just been telling me all about off camera. I'm going to give away a personal license of that valued at $59. So stick around for details on how you can win that a little bit later on in the interview. Okay, Jennifer Bourne, before we start talking about all things WordPress ish and consulting and small business and clients from hell and all that kind of stuff, when <laughs> you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up?
1: Ah, uh, I alternated between a teacher and a ballet dancer. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't quite have the build for the latter, so I focused on being a teacher for a while. But I did not go that route.
0: <laughs> so, so, what about the did the idea of being a ballet teacher ever appeal to you? Yes. Right. Yes. So sometimes
1: what... on those tough days, I'm like, why did I not do that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what what did what did you end up teaching?
1: Um, I well, I taught. For one semester, actually. I never pursued teaching. I started college with my major in electrical engineering. But when I graduated with my degree in design, I went back and taught some upper division uh, branding and corporate identity courses for Sacramento State University's design program. So I got to do a little bit there. And then I get to do that in my business. So now I kind of get the best of both worlds.
0: And so what's the electrical engineering? Where did that come from?
1: That's what my dad did. I'm the I oldest child. I'm a people pleaser.
0: I knew you were going to say that. I had this premonition that you were going to say my dad was an electrical engineer. Right. So he wanted what... his
1: daughter to be self-sufficient and make her own money.
0: So uh, why did you not persist with electrical engineering?
1: Uh, it was really boring and the boys were mean. <laughs> I think they were intimidated because I was getting better grades. <laughs> but, um, but it was... This code was boring for me, and I was working at an ad agency, and the woman I was working for kept saying, you should look at this thing that's graphic design. They've got, you know, you can get a degree in it, and I looked at it, and probably, I think it was just a couple months later, I switched my majors, and that was it. Wow. And so the code part, when I ended up starting websites, came a little bit easier, because I had a few years of that in my
0: background. Uh Uh-huh. And so when did you discover the web? When did you discover that the web was going to be something that you wanted to pursue professionally?
1: My background is in print design. So I actually was working as the sole designer at a public relations company that was having a lot of turnover. And it was only a matter of time before I left too. And I worked for a really great guy there who said, you know, if you are going to freelance or you're going to, you know, leave and do your own thing then you probably need to learn web or you're gonna struggle. Uh And I took his advice and I dove in and I had long days with a friend of mine who knew web sitting at my kitchen table, like teaching me Dreamweaver. It was terrible. Those poor people that I served at first. Uh But you know, it was, I had a great, I, I worked for a great mentor who really kind of pushed me to learn that while I worked there. So I would be more marketable when I went into business for myself.
0: Good advice. And do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard?
1: 2008. Oh. I don't know when, but we had a client who'd approached us and said, I found this WordPress theme and I'd kind of heard people talking about the platform, but I really didn't know much about it. And she wanted it customized. And, um, I was early enough on in my business that I still said yes to everything, even though I didn't know how to do it. So I was like, sure, I could do that for you. And I jumped on Twitter and I'm like, who knows how to do WordPress? Cause I don't even know what this is. And, um, Dre Armada was the first person I connected with and did that first theme for me and say, and it was great. So, um then i figured we started getting more and more requests for that and we kind of just looked at things and said all right we need to learn what this is and figure it out and once i figured out i no longer had to make content changes for people i was all in yeah i'm like i don't have to change that comma done
0: yeah
1: I'm
0: <laughs> right so so you kind of saw that you know wordpress then basically meant that clients weren't going to have to come back to you and say hey we need to you know add a new staff member to our staff page because Mm -hmm. like it's really hard to invoice for that kind of work and it's you know they don't want to pay you and you don't want to really do it because you know what's the value in it how do you invoice it so you saw WordPress as a way of actually empowering them to manage their own content which kind of freed you up to do other more more creative things yeah
1: definitely it was one of the things that I realized early on my time is not best spent changing your comma to a (laughs) semicolon like that is not the best use of my time and you know, a lot of designers really relied on that kind of being the keepers of a website and that ongoing uh, fees that they could charge for those changes. Mm. And from day one, I never wanted anything to do with that. Mm. I was like, if you want something major, I'll do it for you. Otherwise, do it yourself.
0: Yeah, the only commas I change to semicolons are the ones in the CSS <laughs> file, right? <laughs> I don't do it there on the front go. end of the site. I just <laughs> do it in the code. Uh, so thinking about thinking, and we're going to talk. A, we're going to talk in detail about what you've done with Born Creative and how you've um, built this business to serve your clients because Jake had some very positive things to say about you guys so I want to explore that in more detail but thinking about Born Creative now how do you describe what you do in one sentence when people meet you for the first time and they say hey Jennifer what do you do what's your elevator pitch so to speak
1: we help successful business owners who are frustrated with their brand and their website transform their boring online business presence to an extraordinary brand with a website that works when they're not working.
0: Wow, that is the most impressive <laughs> well-rehearsed <laughs> elevator pitch I have ever heard.
1: I I teach this stuff, right. so um but yeah, you know, the majority of the people that work with You probably already have what we do in place. You just did it yourself or it's ugly or it represents where you've been and not where you're going. Going. And that's usually where we are brought in.
0: Okay. So here's the thing about elevator pitches, right? I've learned a lot about elevator pitches over the years. And I love the Mm -hmm. fact that you, I love the fact that you mention your target audience in your elevator pitch and that you outline the benefits that they're going to get from working with you. And you also even highlight the current problem that they've probably got that 's all awesome stuff. I love it. Do you actually use that elevator pitch when you are talking to people, or do you kind of tweak it and make it more conversational, or if you do use that elevator pitch, do people kind of look at you like you 're an alien or ha, ha you know like because I know what some people are really uncomfortable with some people think it 's really robotic and really unnatural to use an elevator pitch when they 're speaking with someone, so do you have any kind of ideas or advice on how you can kind of tweak it and make it more conversational or do you actually just rattle that thing off every time someone asks?
1: (laughs) I don't just rattle it off. So one of the things that we tell our clients is to practice, you know, write it out and practice it over and over and over and over so you know it like the back of your head. So if you need to, you can rattle that sentence off. But what happens when you know your marketing message, you know that elevator pitch so well, you can kind of go on the fly and ad lib based on your situation. So sometimes if I'm in a situation and somebody asks me that, I said, oh gosh, put me on the spot and say, well, we work with successful businesses who you know are really frustrated. And when I know it really well and yep. I know what my message is, I'm able to kind of change my tone of voice or I know when I want to pause to make it sound like I'm kind of making it up on the fly or whatever it might be. Um, So knowing that really well is the key for us. And the thing too is when people flail with this kind of stuff, it's because they're not really confident in talking about their business and they don't quite know what they want to say, or they're worried about leaving something out. So we just follow a simple kind formula that it's, I help whoever my deal client is, you know, do be, or get this big result. And what the outcome of that result is, you know, so they can achieve something big or have an extraordinary brand or a website that works when they're not working. And then most of the time when I'm actually out marketing, I'll add on to the end, even if you think you don't have time or you think you can't afford it, because what that does is they're listening to you and they're thinking, oh, that's me or, oh, that's my friend. Yeah. And then they're thinking, and I want to achieve that result oh, I wish that was me too in my business. Mm. But then they have these like these objections in their head. Oh, but I probably can't afford it. Oh, I have no time for that. And you just squash that at the end. And then you can say, you know, if you want to learn more, blah, 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 whatever it might be. So it works really, really well. But the key is you have to know it inside and out. So it doesn't sound rehearsed. And it just sounds natural, like you're in a conversation.
0: That is awesome. I'm going to put the formula for that in the show notes under this video. I help ideal client do what it is we do so that they can achieve big outcome even if cover objection.
1: Yep. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Love it. That is worth the price of admission alone, ladies and gentlemen. And for a free podcast, that's not too bad. Uh, That joke loses nothing with age. All right. What do you actually spend most of your time doing day to day? Are you changing commas to curly braces in CSS files? Or are you on the phone teaching people about their elevator pitch? Oh,
1: I do. uh, I'm either consulting with clients, writing for our blog or designing various things for clients. Cool. So one of those three is pretty much 100% of my
0: time. Okay, nice. Um, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night?
1: What we want to do with the business that we don't have time to do because we have too much client work. <laughs> <laughs> the things that we wish that we were working on, but have, are having a very difficult time getting to Yeah. because, you know, client work comes first.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a really common thread it's a conversation I have a lot with people in it, our space it is. so and
1: people always say oh just raise your prices and I'm like every time I do that I think it'll be less and they just keep saying yes yeah
0: <laughs> I know it's it's weird isn't it every time we put our prices up we get more work it's like hang on a second it is. yeah uh, so what are some of the things that you wish you were working on that you haven't got time for because of client work
1: we are working on uh, commercial themes to launch under a different brand um, so those wow <laughs> so we've uh, we've got our trademark stuff all taken care of and uh, our landing page and things like that are up and they're kind of dealing with some of those little things and yep. then we'll probably you know kind of announce that landing page and things you yep. know in a month or so and then yep. we're hoping to launch in the fall mm. but we'll see how that client work goes
0: yeah.
1: and we <laughs> vacations so I value my time off <laughs>
0: So, okay, this is interesting. We're going to come back and talk. We're going to come back and talk more about commercial themes in a little in a little while. Uh, but before we get there, what do you do when you're not working? How do you keep your head together and keep balanced?
1: We get outside uh, as a family. It's either in our backyard, you know, swimming and playing and barbecuing, or you know, when you work from home sometimes being at home, you feel some of that guilt, like you should be working. So for us, we get out and we leave. We go ride bikes or we go hiking or, you know, we get out into nature and we get somewhere where we've got no cell reception, we've got no Twitter access, and um, and we just kind of enjoy that time detached. Um, but other than that, I cook.
0: <laughs> nice, so that's a, that's a, a right. hobby that...
1: Brian cooked the first 13 years we were married, so now it's my turn, and he's like, I'm, you're cooking until we're dead. So I'm learning how to cook right now.
0: Uh, you're cooking until we're done. That's I'm awesome. i figuring it out. Oh, that's great. Um, okay, uh, finally, just this final question in kind of the scene-setting phase of this interview. If you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in your business right now, what would it be? Staffing. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what finding and keeping good staff.
1: Well, with Jake stealing up all the talent, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. But with these larger with, you know, there's so much demand for yeah. talent mm. that anybody who knows a decent amount or is, you know, really got their you know stuff together is getting sucked up by in-house agencies or these larger WordPress agencies. Yeah. And as a smaller agency, we don't have time to hire people who we have to babysit all the time Mm. and do all of our own work. Mm. So it's really looking at finding somebody who is self-sufficient. Like we take seven weeks of vacation where we're unavailable by email, by we're not available at all. Mm. And if our team members can't cover their rate while we're gone, Mm. then we can't, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, Figuring out how to grow that and find the right people that fit in there and that fit in with our vision and where we want to take the company. Mm.
0: And between Jake Goldman at 10Up and Alex King and the guys at Crowd <laughs> Favorite, there's no one left. Thank you very much. I know. Um,
1: Kareem's killing me.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about today and what you're currently working on. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Jake, <clears throat> Jake was talking to me about how you guys have built systems and processes in your business that allow you to deliver work for small business clients profitably. And this is one of the conversations that I have all the time with our members and people at WordCamps and WordPress meetups is, you know, you, you know it, it's, it's, it's a great aspiration to say we want to work on higher budget projects, but there is also profit to be made with working with small business clients if you can process the delivery and process the client management mm-hmm. so that it kind of runs smoothly. So tell us, you know, at what point did you kind of start thinking, all right, we need some more systems in place here. Otherwise things are going to fall through the cracks. How, like, when did you realize that that was going to happen?
1: When things were falling through the cracks. Right. (laughs) Those poor people at that time in my, you know, Brian, Brian and I were working like dogs and you know, it was, we, all of our growth has been by word of mouth and referrals and they were coming so much faster than we were able to deliver at the time. So we charged a lot less back then, but we were, we just had too much work. And so with things not, not systematized, what starts to happen is, well, did you tell that person that? Or did I tell them that? Cause I can't remember which one I told. No, which one then you don't wanna to have to go back. And you know, we had a couple not so great situations that made us take a step back and say, you know, we've gotten to where we are today because of the brand and the reputation that we've built. And we need to manage things on our end so that we're delivering on that promise that we made of the reputation that we're building and that we continue to deliver in alignment with the reputation that we want to build moving forward and we knew things just had to change.
0: So give me, give me an example of like, one of the first things that you did to make sure, like, was it making sure that you communicate with the client on a regular basis or was it some kind of tool that you used internally so that you could both sort of see where you were up to? What was one of the, one, one of the first kind of steps that you took to systemize and put some safe safeguards into the business?
1: Well, the first thing we had to do is look at what happened in every single project that we did. So if, there, if the process was the same or when we had to look at if we were ever going to hire people and bring on additional team members, you can't train them if they don't have a process they can follow. You can't tell them to do it the born creative way if there is no way. So we had to look, sit down and say, when somebody you know, pays their deposit, what do we want to have happen and what needs to happen next to have a successful project? And once we outlined that process of what needed to happen at each phase and what the phases were, then we used, uh, we've been Infusionsoft customers since February of 2009. Mm-hmm. So we've been with them a really long time. Mm-hmm. And we looked at, we're already paying for the software. We're big fans of how can you leverage what you're already paying for even more? Yeah. And so we took that process and looked at what can we automate through that software to handhold our clients so they feel like they're getting better service and we're doing less project management and less admin work and less education
0: yeah you're you're uh, saying everything that i want to hear right now <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Hello. laughs> and so so how often do you so how often do you communicate with clients during a project, do you have like set times that are, you know that a client is going to get X amount of emails a week or X amount of emails a month? How does that work?
1: So it starts when they pay their deposit. We mm-hmm. do everything by automatic credit card billing. Uh-huh. And so they can either pay in full up front or they can pay on a payment plan if they're like three or four uh, payments. But it's all automatically taken care of so we don't have to go chase down payments later. Wow. But it all starts <clears throat> with the payment of that mm-hmm. Uh, And when that gets made, tasks get triggered in Infusionsoft that tag them as a WordPress client, as it tags them with our holiday gift tag, you know, all of the things that allow us to do our management of our clients down the road. It sends me an email to send them a welcome card, thanking them for hiring us. And it triggers the very sequence that they get, that I think they get like six emails that educate them about what to expect and what the process is going to be like and how to really start thinking about their site strategically. And the last email of that sequence is our intake questionnaire where we're gathering information from them. So we do some education before they get that. So they're actually giving us more of what we need and they have a little bit more context for that. So, um, so the next, we'll do the emails first cause that's the easiest. So then, Once we have, well, let's go back. So they pay and the Infusionsoft triggers, the email sequence starts and we have a kickoff phone call. It's about 15 minutes. We just kind of touch base. We tell them that they're gonna be getting some emails. We kind of outline a few things just very quick. Once they return that questionnaire to us and we have that information, then we schedule a strategy session. That's where we really get into the strategy and the planning of the site and the goals that they have and what needs to happen on that site. So that it meets those goals, and when we're done with that phone call, we go in to create those initial design drafts, and they get an email sequence that's about five emails long that talks to them about what design actually means and what we're doing in this week that you're not going to hear from us because we're busy working on your project. Right. It gives them information about revisions and encourages them to, you know, this is the opportunity to deliver, and you know ask questions and share what you're thinking. And you have to be honest, you know, if you like it, tell us, if you hate it, tell us, but it walks them through all of those key aspects of design. And then we get on the phone back and forth and if there's revisions, because it goes faster that way. Mm -hmm. And then when design is approved, we have another phone call that recaps what design approval actually means and where they need to be with their content. And that also is a point where we trigger a code email sequence. And this gives them instructions and all kinds of things are. Sign up for a kismet, write your author bio, give us your site title and description, make sure you have hosting set up. If not, we'll consult with you about who to choose. You know, and so it kind of goes through there. So we have the intake design code and outgoing email sequences. And then the key points where we make sure we connect by phone to reinforce that information. And what it does is people aren't sitting around twiddling their thumbs thinking, wow, I haven't heard from you in a long time. When am I going to get my stuff? Because it may only be a week, but they're thinking it's like three weeks because they're anxious for it. And this makes them, they just feel like they're being taken care of all the time and they're getting great value. And we don't have to do all that because we know it's handled automatically. They're getting educated, they're getting value, they're getting tasks they have to do. And it's so nice for Brian because he's like, oh, I just got an email and it's their author bio and their title and their description and their gravatar and a kismet and I didn't have to go chase it down. So it saves us an enormous amount of time.
0: This is awesome. I love this so much. Uh, I don't even know where to start, uh, how much I love this. Um, You know, because we just installed a failure metric in our business where if a client emails us to find out how a project's going, we failed. And um, Mm -hmm. we're still failing, I admit, we are still failing. And that's okay because uh, we just don't have this automation set up yet. We have, it's Mm. all kind of done through reminders and we use Asana for project management where we we don't have this automated email sequence set up yet. Um, I really like this. One of the things that occurred to me though is once someone's paid the deposit, you then get on the phone and you have a strategy session with them to work out the goals and what it is they're trying to achieve. How much work do you do before a client actually hires you? Like, don't you do all that work upfront to actually win the job?
1: <clears throat> no, we don't do anything until you paid until we have your money. We don't do anything. Wow. So, um, we've got a questionnaire on our site. A, yeah, I'm looking at a, that a, right now. We have them fill out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they give us a little bit of information about their project. And if we're looking at that and we think it's going to be a great fit and we want to learn more then we schedule a phone call with them. And usually by the time they get to that project inquiry form, they already know they want to hire us. Mm. They just want to talk to somebody and make sure they're going to like us. Mm. So when we get on the phone, most of the time, we're not really talking a whole lot about details or anything. We're talking about, you know, are we going to like working together? You know, what's the process going to be like? How often am I going to talk to you? You know, those kinds of things, because they, they just need that confirmation that their decision to hire us. Is the right choice? Yeah, and then we can send them an estimate after
0: that. Okay, so this was my next question because I'm looking at your project inquiry form, which is something that I'm a big advocate of, uh, mm-hmm. and it is quite detailed. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I believe that if people are not willing to fill in a detailed inquiry form, then they're not ready to work with you. So I, I love that you guys are doing this. So the, my next question was then how? And you've got you you put your budget ranges on your inquiry form, so that eliminates. Mm-hmm people who don't have the right budget to work with you that just eliminates those tire kickers as I call them uh, with all yep. due respect. Um, so then how, my next question is, how do you then actually tell the client, okay, well, based on what you've told us, we estimate the investment is going to be X. Do you write proposals? Do you write detailed proposals? What does that process look like?
1: We, we semi detailed proposals, Um, so one of the things that, you know, when we're on the phone with them, we really need to find out, you know, what they're doing. We, our niche is service-based businesses, lead generation sites for service-based businesses. Mm -hmm. So most people that we're working with, they want the same thing. They want people to hire them, to buy from them and to learn from them. They want them to hire their services, buy their information products or eBooks and learn from them on their blog or sign up for their newsletter. We know what goes into that kind of site. We've been doing it for nine years. Mm. Most of the time, we have a baseline that when we're talking with them, we can say, you know, for a custom WordPress site with all of these bells and whistles, you know, to solve all the problems that you have, we know it's going to cost, you know, X amount. It's going to be $5,000. It's going to be $8,000, $10,000, whatever it might be. Um, and then we need, we need to dig in. But do they want anything special that's going to require something completely custom on top of the theme design and dev? You know, do they need membership functionality built in? Do they need e-commerce functionality built in? What we usually do is we'll flat rate the theme design and dev and bringing in their content and all of that because I know exactly how much time that takes us and what that process looks like. And then we'll do time and materials for anything above that.
0: And it works great. And okay, this is really uh, this is really fascinating. We, you know, you we're singing from the same hymn book here. The next obvious question for me is: once you've got a client on board and you've given them an estimate and they've agreed to it and they've paid their deposit, how have you streamlined your development process to make sure you can deliver that at a profit? So, do you use like do you have like a particular framework that you use, or do you do is it all custom design, custom dev, or are you just winging it? How does that work?
1: Uh, We do primarily, I would say like 90% of everything we do is custom WordPress themes. Mm -hmm. So they're one-off. We are Genesis recommended developers. So we build solely on the Genesis framework. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have our own starter theme that over the years, we've kind of pulled out the stuff that we don't want to use. And we've put in the stuff that we need. And we work from our own Genesis starter theme that we've created.
0: Cool. Awesome. Uh, So, And how important do you think that is knowing that okay, uh, this is a process that's repeatable and it's a process that's predictable, so I'm not going to get halfway through this project and then realise we're going to do our dough on this because there's, we have to go and invent this whole new half a wheel that we didn't realise. Whereas you've got your, it sounds like you've got your mm-hmm. development process so kind of well streamlined, you understand it so well that when you're putting an estimate at the front end, you know that you're going to be able to deliver that and make a profit on the job.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. I think when you try to dabble in all these different frameworks and all different kinds of things, it's harder for you to know exactly how much time you're going to spend because some of that time is trying to remember where things were, where things are in that framework or where things are located. You know, we uh, went all in with Genesis, I think in mid-2011, I think, and that's all we've built on since. Mm -hmm. We know that framework like, the back of our hands Brian especially and can do anything with that and can usually just writes his code from memory he's not a you know doesn't cut and paste because we've done it so many times. We've built I think 300 Genesis sites so far almost
0: wow. but um
1: we, <laughs> we, we are' work horses but um so you do enough of that. We know really how, you know, how much time things are going to take. So the, the, the site design and build or any of the other design work we do, everything is flat rate. It's what we tack onto that that ends up being time and materials.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I'm so I want to talk a little bit about um, positioning and marketing in a moment. Uh, I'm just Mm -hmm. looking at your, uh, your portfolio here. I'm looking at your people page uh, and I'm looking at your blog. So, and you guys speak. I've seen video of you speaking at work yes. camps. We've never actually crossed paths. I'm hoping we will at some point because I'm coming out of the States a couple of times this year. So I'm hoping we're going to cross paths at some point. Uh, how, nice. Im- how important do you think it is to get out of the building and, A, you know publish your opinions and your thoughts online on your blog and then go and speak at functions and speak at conferences? How important do you think that is from a positioning and a lead generation point of view?
1: I probably wouldn't be in business today if I didn't do any of those things. I'd probably be struggling. I would be, you know, one of the one of those people who are struggling to get work or struggling to pay bills and, you know, Brian and I both from the beginning. You know, I kind of resisted starting a blog at first, but then I got into it once I kind of found my groove and my voice and and now it's probably one of my favorite things that I do, but Our blog generates so much traffic. And when we, when we ask people, we get, when they fill out that project inquiry, we ask how, why, how did you find us? Mm. They say the same thing. I was Googling WordPress stuff and you just kept coming up over and over and over. You just kept coming up. So I figured you were the best choice. So that wouldn't happen if we didn't blog And then as far as speaking and getting out, you know, you have to get out from behind your computer. Mm. There's some relationships and things that can happen on social media, but the magic doesn't happen just sitting behind the computer. It happens when you get out and meet people face to face and they can experience what it's like to be around you or to learn from you or what you're like. Or, you know, it accelerates that relationship process and the memory of people who are going to refer other people to you so much that i think it's a critical part of business Mm. it has been for us
0: i want to talk about you guys do put a lot of content out about wordpress and i want to talk about um pricing and the commodity part of the business because you know how how do you how do you deal with the objective you know i was talking to one of our members the other week they said look they're in a meeting and client says, well, you know, let's talk about this quote you've given us because can't you just use Gravity Forms to do that? And it should be a lot cheaper because Gravity Forms is only 100 bucks." And the and the, and the WordPress consultant sitting there going, you know, sure, you can buy Gravity Forms and do this yourself. Uh, you know, we understand how this kind of fits into the gra- the bigger picture of what we're doing here. We understand how to do this and make sure it doesn't break. We understand how to make this work in the whole architecture of the project that we're delivering. How do you... And so one of the things that I've always been saying is stop talking about WordPress and plugins, don't talk about the technology, talk about solutions and become a business consultant. So how do you overcome that kind of objection that, well, you guys are using free open source software and a bunch of plugins, how come you're charging X amount to build websites? But given the fact that you guys are really vocal about the fact that you use WordPress, how do you overcome those objections from clients?
1: well i think the the easiest answer to to that is well if you could do it yourself you wouldn't be talking to me (laughs) so there's an issue right there yeah and yeah there are people that do it a lot cheaper but it's ugly and it's crap so um we're really really honest with people so if we get those questions we don't really talk a lot about plugins you know you had asked about our proposals we don't tell you what plugins we're going to use we don't tell you any of that technical stuff. We tell you we're going to solve your problems. Your site will generate leads. It will sell your services. People will contact you and want to pay you when we're done. That's all anybody cares about. They care about what it looks like and is it going to make them money? Are people going to hire them, buy from them, and learn from them based on what the site looks like?
0: Mm. Because
1: no, let's. The clients don't care about code. Mm. We care about code because it's our industry. It's our pride, but they don't care. Yeah. So we don't really talk about those things because it doesn't make a difference to them. Like we're Genesis recommended developers and we talk about it, but we don't talk about it in a sales conversation because most clients don't even know what that is.
0: Yeah, exactly. They have no idea.
1: A lot of people don't even know what WordPress is. So for us, it's a matter of really educating them and saying, yeah, you know, if they know that there's a plugin, there is, you know, gravity forms, you can use it and you can set it up yourself. But it's not going to look as good as if we did it. Mm. And you're going to probably spend an entire weekend trying to figure that out Mm. or at least several hours. And how much do you, we'll ask them, how much do you charge an hour? Mm. Well, so you're going to spend like 800 bucks to set that up yourself (laughs) when we can just... Do it from this price with all of the other problems that we're going to solve for you. Yeah. And they like, oh, okay. Everybody knows their bottom line of how much they charge an hour. So when we point out how much they're actually going to lose not using that time selling their services, then it kind of changes the conversation a little bit. So you just kind of have to frame what you're talking about yeah. so that they see the value that you're delivering.
0: It's good framing, and the thing the thing you know the thing about gravity forms is it might be the technology that you use to capture leads, but it's everything above the gravity form that is actually going to get people to put their <laughs> details into the gravity form. That is true. And if they can do all that, then why are they talking to us? They should just go and do it themselves. Um, okay, let's talk about themes. So here's the thing about commercial themes. you know, this has been one of those little nagging voices in the back of my head for years, right? We've got a fairly good audience. We've got a fairly good, database, Uh, you know, at the moment about 15,000 in our database of WordPress consultants all over the world who have signed up for our free eBooks. And there's this little voice in the back of my head going, dude, you should be making commercial themes because our audience really like us. So I'm (coughs) certain if we put out commercial themes that, you know, they would buy them. However... There's also another little voice is like, man, the train has left the station, you know, the theme gold rush is over, and also, you know, just, we're just going to be drowning in support requests if we go down that route. So I'm really curious, are you worried about, like, you know, are you worried about support and also are you worried about putting all this effort into launching themes and then, you know, maybe selling 50 of them? Like, are you, I'm curious as to your decision to go down the commercial theme route. Do you, like, tell me, convince me this is the right <laughs> thing to do.
1: So I've been serving the same market for nine years. Um, we have been working with entrepreneurs and small business owners in the service-based industry for nine years, which means we've been asking people, what's your favorite website? What, we've been asking people all these questions. We've kept and collected all of that data. And I, I do programs. I don't run them. I join them. And I join them to hear what business owners are complaining about, Mm. what they need, what problems they need solved. Mm. And a lot of them are tied into this. Um, We are. I I think there is space in the commercial theme market 100 percent because. But I don't think there's space to do it the same way that everybody else is doing it. If you just think, "Ooh, I could make a little bit of money, I should knock out a theme and sell it because I have an audience, then you're nuts and you should not do it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you maybe you'll sell a couple. But when you come at it with a strategy, with a way to be different than what everybody else is doing so far, then I think there's room. You know, I've got nine years. I'm a content machine. I've got nine years of content that we've created that we give to clients as resources, courses and eBooks on how to create an opt-in and how to leverage links and how to write your marketing message or your um, elevator pitch and how to leverage email marketing and all of these different things that we're repurposing and going to be using to help sell those and packaging with uh, themes. I think, I think if you are interested in churning out cookie cutter themes that look like what everybody else is doing, then you probably are gonna struggle. Mm. I think if you price them for 25, 45, 65 bucks, you're probably gonna struggle. That's Mm. a crap amount Mm. for a sale. I don't want to sell anything for, for $65, $75. That's terrible. Mm. And then the support that comes along with that is terrible. So my, I would like to see people raise those prices because the value is there. You're delivering someone the ability to create a website in what, a day, mm. in a weekend, mm. maybe in a week. You're giving other people tools to help serve their clients. And there's enormous value in that. And I think everybody is undercharging. So... Do I think I'm going to struggle with support? No, because I'm going to price these high. I'm going to come out as the highest in the entire poll. Everybody. I pretty much think it'll probably be everybody. And am I going to have less support? Yeah, because I'll make less sales because they'll be worth more money.
0: So I don't care. (laughs) Awesome. So that's our approach. And you'll probably attract a savvier audience pricing yourself as premium. You'll you'll, you'll be attracting a savvier audience. I really like it. This is, you know, One of the things I'm learning from talking to lots of people on the podcast is that if you're going to do the commercial themes, you need to absolutely know the problems that you're solving and build themes that solve those problems. And it sounds like you understand these problems because you've been solving them for nine years.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think, the difference, too, is a lot of people who, you know, start, they launch a theme or they'll start a theme company. A lot of times they're developers who are brilliant And so they want to create something to sell, but they don't really know business and marketing. So there's some struggle there. Mm. And we're kind of the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. So we've got the business and marketing end nailed and we know what needs to be delivered and what people are looking for. And so that's what we're focused on building. Um, And I think the other thing too is that some struggle comes in when you create a theme and you're excited about it and you launch it to the world. And then you realize how much work you have to do to sell it. I think waiting to get affiliates after you've launched is a mistake. Mm. We have a list of people that are already in line to promote our stuff when we're done and Mm. we have not launched yet. So I know on launch day, I already have people with lists of tens of thousands of people that are ready to promote this Mm. so that I'm not all by myself or left on my own and waiting for it to inch along.
0: Mm. Nice. I'm going to write that one down. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) All right, let's elevate. So for those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program to help WordPress consultants build a business so that you can go and compete with people like Born Creative. Uh, And I'm now going to ask Jennifer a series of quick questions about consulting and freelancing, and hopefully she's going to give us some mind-blowing answers off the top of your head. Sound good? Sure. Awesome. Uh, What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know?
1: I think they need to know that they need to get out from behind their computer. Going to networking events, even if it's just something local, is going to accelerate the growth of your business and help you get more clients.
0: Yeah. Uh, And what's the number one thing you've ever done? What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers?
1: Stop going to the local networking event. Stop going to the local networking events. I think when you're starting out, you need those local events to build up your your client base and to gain experience. But once you've you've grown out of that market, the best thing to do is find out where large groups of your ideal clients are all congregating in one space and go to those places. So if you're a developer or a designer and you are helping people build WordPress sites, then you should probably be looking for conferences teaching entrepreneurs and business owners how to build online businesses. So when you're in the audience, you can say, oh, what do I do? Everything that they just told you you need, that's what I do. Car? Yep, thanks. (laughs) And there you go. You're right place, right time. You know, would you rather go to a local event with maybe two ideal clients or a whole conference with 500? I think your odds are a little bit better at the latter.
0: Yep, love it. Uh, How do you stop competing on price?
1: By delivering oranges instead of apples.
0: Uh-huh. I love that. That's- <laughs> most,
1: <laughs> I mean, most people do itemize. Oh, for X amount of money, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to install these plugins. I'm going to do all of that. We don't talk about any specifics. We talk about generalities, about problems we're going to solve. And we price it that way because then they can't you know, check down a list of what they're comparing. And then we also look at what can we add to this to sweeten the deal and make it a no brain. So that's why we give away the eBooks on opt-ins and, you know, links and email marketing and your marketing message. We give them all of these extra resources as bonuses for hiring us that you can't really talk about how much those are worth. You can't put a price on that. It's hard for them to compare anything like that. And it's hard for them to compare consulting and one on one time.
0: That's great. Uh, I never thought about giving the The, you know, packaging up your blog content into a white paper or a handbook or a field guide (laughs) and giving that to every new client. That's really good. Um, I'm learning a lot. Any tips on writing better proposals? I think you might've covered this, but tell us again. Oh,
1: better proposals. I think the more plain English and easily understood they are, the less threatening they seem to people. Um, we approach everything as firm, fair, and friendly. And our contracts, our proposals are the same way. We're very firm about what the scope is, but we're friendly in our tone and we're really fair about what you get for what the investment is.
0: I like the alliteration too. I love any kind of acronym or any saying with <laughs> you know any kind of alliteration like that. It's really easy to remember, firm, fair, and friendly. Uh, what's your favorite, I know the answer to this one, what's your favorite tool for CRM?
1: Infusionsoft.
0: There we go. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track?
1: Infusionsoft. There we go. (laughs) Active project management.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Active project management. Any ideas for getting referrals from existing customers? Ask.
1: Most people are too afraid to ask. In our outgoing email sequence, one of the first emails they get says, we'd love a testimonial from you because now we're not asking. And another one says... We would love a referral. If you know anybody else who would benefit from having this kind of experience, Mm. tell them about us, please. Mm. We would love you forever.
0: I love the outgoing email sequence. That's genius. That's because most people like. See,
1: they're paid in full.
0: Yeah. Most people, you know, they finish a project and you forget about them and and they never hear from you. We we don't kind of do that nurturing that relationship once they're out the door. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. Finally, in the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself?
1: I think to build to build a brand. I think when you try to be um, when you try to be everything, the generalist instead of the specialist, people have a hard time trying to figure out what it is that you actually do good or what they should refer you. What you they should refer you work for? You know, a generalist people get confused. But when you pick one thing that you're going to be the specialist in, you pick that one slice that you're going to do better than anybody else and that and build a brand around that and build a reputation around that that's when people start to think oh you need that this person because Mm. it's top of mind they know exactly what you do and what you do well and you're going to get a lot more referrals that way because everybody knows exactly what it is that you excel at
0: Mm. excellent advice thank you for getting us through the elevation round uh what's the future for born creative where do you see born creative in 12 months time
1: Board creative, doing the same thing that we're doing now, but doing it better because uh, we always want to be growing and doing it for uh, higher, higher prices. So, you know, if we raise our rates every six months, so it'll be, you know, more also- creative, same, but better and for more money. And then we'll have hopefully our theme company launched by then.
0: Excellent. I'm really looking forward to that. All right, competition details. I'm giving away a copy of the Post Promoter Pro plugin, which Jennifer has convinced me is the best thing since sliced bread, so I'm going to take it for a spin. Uh, The single license is valued at $59. I'm going to give that away to one lucky winner that Jennifer's going to choose in a couple of weeks. So what you want to do is underneath this video, we've been talking about lead capture and conversions and adding value to your client's business. So tell us the number one thing you've done on a client project or your own website to increase conversions or increase subscribers to your email address. Uh, Maybe don't tell us that you installed a pop-up form or an opt-in form because that's pretty obvious, but tell us something that you've done creatively, (laughs) something you've done with a headline or something you've done with an offer that has helped increase subscribers or conversions on your website. And I'll get Jennifer to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. Sound good, Jennifer? Sounds great. Awesome. Um, uh, Just before we wrap up, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business?
1: Ask for help when you need it and don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid that asking for help makes you seem, you know, weaker or any less than because everybody needed help at some time. Most of us wouldn't be where we are today if we didn't have Twitter to reach out and ask for help on or we didn't have mentors or people to turn to to ask for help and ask for guidance, whether it's with, you know, trying to get the code right in your theme or it's something that you really need leadership with dealing with a client. But don't be afraid to ask for help and ask for other people's input and opinion.
0: Mm. It's, and it's humbling too, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, sometimes I'll reach out on Skype or on Twitter to some locals here in mm-hmm. Melbourne and ask advice on something. And I, I, even today, I even hesitate because I think it makes me look a bit stupid or it makes me look like, you know, I thought Troy would know this stuff. But it's humbling to do that. And then you kind of realize, like, nobody cares. Nobody's judging you for reaching out and mm-hmm. asking for help. In fact, people want to help, mm-hmm. especially in this industry especially in this community people are so helpful
1: they do and nobody knows everything it's impossible yeah. so you know by by asking for help you're giving them the chance to do something great and to feel good about that and you're also helping get your problem solved mm. and it's going to strengthen your relationship with that person as well so it's it's a win all the way around
0: yeah where can people reach out and say thanks for this interview jennifer
1: i'm on twitter all the time pretty much at jennifer Bourne. and then also you can always stop by our website at borncreative.com no awesome.
0: e. and no e that's <laughs> right it's b-o-u-r-n no e so it's borncreative.com i'm gonna put all the links in the show notes anyway uh so you'll be able to find awesome. that finally who would you like me to try and interview for the podcast and why
1: oh there's so many people <laughs> um how maybe kareem Kareem for, from crown Favourite. Yes. Um, I want to know what's going on there. They're tucking in all kinds of people over there. Yes. So that would be interesting. Um, I think Natalie McLeese of Purple Pen Productions. Ooh. She's the organiser of WordCamp LA. Um, and she's doing some really neat things as well. So I'd like to, you know, maybe hear more about what she's up to. Can you spell
0: her last name, um, do you know?
1: M a c l e e s I think. Okay. And then so- um, Ryan Sullivan with WP Site Care, they're uh, doing some neat things over there. Yes. We send we send lots lots of people over there, um, and they take care of them, and they come back, and they're very 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 happy. So I think they're doing some neat things there as far as you know their service model and how they're helping small businesses too.
0: Great. Well, Kareem, I've already uh, hit up. We're going to hang out at WordCamp Chicago in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to that. So Kareem, Natalie and Ryan, keep your eyes on your inbox because I'm coming to get you for the podcast courtesy of Jennifer Bourne at Bourne Creative. Hey, Jennifer, thank you so much for spending 55 minutes and 10 seconds with us on the WP Elevation (laughs) podcast. This has been epic. I'm looking forward to getting this up, and I wish you all the best for Born Creative, and I can't wait to see what you do with the commercial themes in fall. I I believe you said you were launching in fall. Right. Well, I'm going to keep you accountable. I'm going to be emailing you. Where are your themes? Where are your themes? Thank you so much for spending some time with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jennifer Bourne as much as I enjoyed making it. I learned, I actually learned so much in that episode of the podcast. I made a whole bunch of notes that I'm going to go and implement in our business right now. Uh, of course, this episode was brought to you by Optin Monster. Check out WPElevation.com slash OptinMonster for a full video walkthrough of how this plugin works and more importantly, how you can use it to drive some more revenue and sales into your business by offering lead capture services to existing clients and offering it to new clients. There is also some email swipe files you can use to send out your existing database, and there are some proposal templates you can use for new clients. Check out wpelevation.com slash optinmonster for all of the details. Optinmonster is, of course, the plugin brought to you by Thomas Griffin, the guy behind the soliloquy slider, and Syed from... WP Beginner. So it comes with credibility, it's an amazing plugin, and it will help you drive more revenue into the business. Uh, Of course, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe to the podcast, you get an absolutely free content creation webinar as a bonus. So make sure you do that. Everything that we spoke about with Jennifer will be in the show notes uh, underneath the video and the audio file at wpelevation.com slash Jennifer Bourne, and that's Bourne, B-O-U-R-N. There's no E on the end of it, which is the mistake I made. It took me a long time to find Jennifer online because I was spelling her name wrong. So wpelevation.com slash Jennifer Bourne. Uh, You can find everything about this interview and all the show notes there. And remember to leave your feedback underneath the video to win the prize or to go into the draw to win the prize. Uh, and the competition is, what's the number one thing you've done on your website or a client's website to increase conversions or subscriptions to a mailing list or increase sales for that matter. And I'm giving away a copy of the Post Promoter Pro plugin, a single license valued at $59. So make sure you get to the show notes and check it all out, wpelevation.com slash Jennifer Bourne. Next week in episode number 36, I'm going to be interviewing Peter Freeman from Woof Media, and he's from my hometown. Well, he's from South Australia, which is where I come from, and I'm going to talk about how Peter has grown Woof Media uh, into the business that it is today and why they are leaving the country and going to live in Canada. More on that next week. Until then, go elevate.